Hi, and welcome back to the European VC, your podcast for insights into the European VC industry. If you love our show, do drop us a review, share it with your friends, and join our Slack community at theeuropeanvc.com forward slash community. Today, we're happy to welcome you to a deep dive on the wonderful Romanian ecosystem as we try to understand if Romania really is going to repeat the UI path success or if they were a one-trick unicorn pony. We're talking to two of the country's favorite sons, Vlad Sarka, from Sparking Capital and Christian Montanu from Early Game Ventures. We won't reveal too much, but do make sure to stay for the quickfire because Christian is giving us some quite unexpected answers. And don't forget, if you would like to suggest topics or guests for future episodes, join our community and help make the best pod for everything European VC. And if you are about to raise a fund or an international round, do let us know and we'll be happy to introduce you to relevant investors. Do you get cold inbound deal flow that you'd wish you could help but can't invest in? You might consider directing them to the European VC's newly launched self-paced fundraise acceleration program and community. It's tailor-made for founders about to raise their pre-seed or seed round and gives them a clear 10-step process to go from wanting to raise to ready to raise. It's community-centered, giving them access to mentors and fellow founders to spar with around their process, plans, and pains. Stop sending founders on their way with an empty referral to another VC firm or angel group. Send them to a community and resource that will actually help them go from minus cold outreaches to a deliberate fundraising plan that will actually work. Send them to the europeanvc.com forward slash raise. We thought we'd start out with your investment thesis, Christian. When I saw it, I thought this is it, probably the perfect segue into the Romanian market. Don't you agree that there's a nice connection there? Well, it's an investment thesis conceived for the Romanian market. Yeah, exactly. So first of all, simply because our fund, we only have a mandate to invest in Romanian companies. It was something that we created, I created the moment when we launched the fund. Maybe it's a good thing to start saying just a few words about Early Game Ventures and myself to give you a bit of context. So Early Game Ventures, as the name suggests, is an early stage venture capital fund, 26 million euro, the size of the fund. And we only invest in Romanian tech companies. We are a first time fund manager, so we are quite new to this business. Yeah. Uh, early Game is a startup, okay, for us. And <laughs> everything started in late 2017, but we had the first launch of the fund in January 2019. So practically right now, we have two and a half years of investment behind us, and we are exactly at the middle of the investment period of our fund. Getting back to the investment thesis, we are looking at the opportunities in the market, of course. And we see that Romania is not a proven, or at least in 2019, was not a proven ecosystem yet. And there is some noise in the background. There are fireworks you don't even hear. <laughs> now we don't okay. hear them at all. <laughs> They're celebrating the recording of this podcast. Yes. <laughs> no, we can't hear anything, Chris. <laughs> okay. okay, perfect. Okay, so I was telling you about the investment thesis. And I started from a problem because this is the way any founder starts working. What I realized from the very beginning is that there are many things missing in Romania and probably in all the emerging countries. doesn't matter if they are in Asia, in Africa or in Europe. And I thought that this is the opportunity that we should capture, okay? So investing in those startups that build what I call the infrastructure for innovation is like investing in Google back in 2000. And Google is the data line 
is like the AV that keeps alive so many other companies, so many other startups, tech startups. And this is what we try to do here in Romania, to jumpstart this ecosystem. I started as a founder, as a tech founder. In 2013, I left the corporation that I was working for at that time. I started the project of a tech startup. In 2013, there were not many investors in Romania, just a few angels, very brave angels, I would say. So I had to, to relocate. I moved to Seattle, Washington first, and after that to San Francisco Bay Area. And I spent several years there. And then I came back to Romania. And instead of starting another startup, I founded this VC fund. And here I am today talking to you about investments. Vlad, let's kick it to you for an introduction on you as well. Then we'll go back to this big topic of the Romanian tech market and dive a bit deeper into the early games investment thesis. But first, let's hear about you, Vlad, and of course, Sparking Capital. So about myself, I also have an entrepreneurial background. So far, I sold two companies. I joined the team at Sparking, my colleagues Christian and Vlad from Sparking Capital, And I see it also as another entrepreneurial venture, basically. Like Christian said, we are entrepreneurs in the venture capital ecosystem, and we are one of the first to do this. So basically, at the moment, like I said, there are just five investment funds in Romania, and we are uh, somehow pioneers in this market, trying to do our best to lift up the ecosystem and to support founders from Romania as good as possible. We, the Sparking Capital have also seen a need in the market. Our sweet spot is between angel investors because we've seen that it was very hard in Romania to raise exactly the amounts of money that some companies need. What is sometimes the average amount of money that a company raises first time in Romania, somewhere 200, 300, up to 500,000 euro. And we position ourselves somehow between the angels and early stage funds, but some early stage funds invest only starting from 500K, let's say. We said, okay, we will go below this limit. We'll start investing smaller tickets. I know Christian and EGV invest also smaller tickets from time to time, but we invest also pre-seed tickets. And I know we discussed about this, Andreas and David before, and also um, we participate in seed rounds. We are um, vertical agnostic because operating in Romania, it would be very hard to focus only on one vertical. We are state-specific and look at precedency investments. I want to kick it back to you, Christian, to dive deep on your investment thesis because looking from the outside in, I think that you not only have UiPath, which is now a great success, of course, but you also have the regional Amazon, EMAG, and Bitdefender, a great cybersecurity solution. Mm-hmm. You've got a blockchain success called Elrond. I'm mm-hmm. a personal big fan of the Lord of the Rings, so that's awesome for me. But for <laughs> such a small market with basically no VC up until three years ago, four years ago, Correct. that's quite a success. So I'm curious to see what a perennial like you would say has driven it. Also, how your investment thesis has helped build up that ecosystem. I think that the answer is quite simple. Uh, is a talent that triggered it. We have very good software engineers in Romania, not very sophisticated in terms of understanding term sheets or investment contracts, but they're getting there, okay? But otherwise, very good software engineers that used to work as outside engineers working for uh, tech startups in the United States. What happened in the last years is uh, pivoting from 
developing products for others to developing their own products, starting their own tech startups and working for themselves. And as you said, for such a small country, we already have a number of unicorns because EMAG, which is the local Amazon, you call it, is already a unicorn. They uh, expanded regionally. They are present in eight or nine countries already in the region, in CEE. Bitdefender, the cybersecurity company, could have been or could be a unicorn but they chose to stay focused on Romania, even if they also sell, uh, sell abroad. But I think they will be a unicorn soon, Christian. Yeah, in this environment with unicorns spawning <laughs> everywhere, <laughs> like four per day. I'm considering opening a stable for unicorns business. <laughs> that was a very lucrative business. But why, why I'm saying this, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Christian, is because they were valued last year, I think, at 600 million. And the private equity fund that invested in them and owns like 30% of the business plans mm-hmm. to take them public. So I, mm-hmm. I expect another unicorn to be born. And if you see this through the lens of the fact that there were no institutional investors till recently, it's truly a performance, right? I think that this industry is still in the beginnings in Romania. And I already know several companies that have the potential to become unicorn in two or three years already. This industry is booming and becoming quite popular. In 2013, I told you that I left the corporation to start up a startup and it was not a cool thing to do at that moment. Everybody was asking, what the fuck is happening? Why, 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 do, you, why do you leave? I mean, come on, are you not paid well enough? I was paid well enough, but I wanted something else. Nowadays, it's socially acceptable to be a CEO of a startup. And yeah. this is a big change, a big cultural change that is getting a lot of young people into the venture capital, not, not venture capital, but the tech industry, let's yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, of course. This has positive effects and negative effects, of course, because now there are quite a lot of wannabes and fake printers. <laughs> the <laughs> true blood is no longer there, maybe. Ah, that's true. We're, of course, seeing that everywhere. We know angels who have complained of how difficult it is to call out a fake printer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a big surprise, I would say. It happened that in March... 2018, I was in Geneva for the Investor Forum organized by Invest Europe. And during this event, it was a two-days event, UiPath announced, I think it was the Series A or maybe the Series B, it was the 153 million that they raised with Axel. Everybody was talking about this, but nobody knew anything about UiPath. Whoever was going to the stage and taking the floor to deliver a speech, they mentioned UiPath. Now Europe, it's another unicorn coming from Romania, (laughs) wherever Romania is. So everybody was very pumped up, but nobody knew anything about them. And during a coffee break, I start asking people, well, nice, I've heard about this company. What are they doing? Nothing. (laughs) Nobody knew anything. But UiPath somehow put Romania on the map for investors. And what I see now, I see a lot of VCs from all over Europe, even from the US, but not that many contacting us as the local VC in the country and asking us about the interesting startups here. So I would say that Romania is growing, the ecosystem here is growing, and it's already catching the eye of the big guys. Next thing is that a podcast will reach out and ask you to introduce their listeners to the Romanian market. (laughs) (laughs) I I was actually going to take that and say, well, let's make it so that the next time you can just redirect them to this episode. (laughs) I'd love to ask you both. Maybe Vlad, let's direct this one to you. And then Christian, we'd also love to hear your thoughts. So what excites you in Romania right now? I'm not going to ask what are the specific hot startups, but what are the verticals that excite you? What are the spaces that you're hoping to see exciting things coming out of Romania. Really curious to know as an outsider. I think we have quite a few fintech startups. Fintech OS, the Romanian fintech startups won the best European fintech award last year. 
and already raised this year a Series B round worth 50 million, if I'm not mistaken. This is a good development. There are several startups that are um, rating solutions related to artificial intelligence in several sectors, be it computer vision, NLP, or other fields of artificial intelligence. And I would say also something which is not very common, let's say. We like that. (laughs) (laughs) There are not many, and not, not many worldwide, but we have very interesting travel tech in Romania, and both us and BGB have invested in them. And they seem to be one of the most promising travel tech companies in the world. They are keep on getting mentioned in the media. Uh, the company is called Questo. We are very excited about them because they are uh, growing. They are uh, very resilient to the current market condition. And we think it's the time for them to take off, given that people want to travel more and more. Where do you see that coming from, Vlad? Is there a specific reason why travel tech looks like an emerging hotspot for you? No, it's something specific related to this company. So I wanted to say also something which is not very often mentioned because the headlines are always related to what I started. It's always fintech and deep tech, but I wanted to mention also something exceptionally to bring out the contrarian in me somehow. (laughs) (laughs) And to put the light a bit on other guys that deserve credit. I fully agree with Vlad. I think that uh, Questo is one of the Romanian startups that has the potential to become a unicorn because they are reinventing something that is big. The way that they reinvent it makes a lot of sense. Practically, they reinvent the city tour, the guided city tour, but now as a treasure hunt. You go from here to there, finding clues, discovering the story. It's very interesting. And then you get another clue and you move two streets away and you discover a historical building and you know the story of that building. And this is a very interesting and engaging way to discover a city. And the best part is that Questo is not building those quests but local people are building the quests. This is something that is growing very, very much. (laughs) This is a completely unrelated comment, but it made me think of one of the most kind of entertaining short periods of holiday that I had, which was with a friend of mine that was really into geocaching, which is Uh quite similar, right? And I remember how astonishing it was, the close-knitness of that community and how that community was kind of self-regulated in some way. So it's really (laughs) interesting that I'm tapping into that because that is extremely fun to do from a user perspective. But then it's also interesting because if their community is like that, it's super interesting how these people kind of potentiate each other to do more and more and more. That's Or think of Pokemon Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. it's another layer, artificial yeah. intelligence layer on top of reality. I would also like to answer your question about the yeah. hot areas in tech in Romania. I have big expectations from two industries. One of them is cybersecurity, yeah. but still I don't see a lot of activity in this field. But we should be able to see maybe we'll be defender listing soon. Maybe something similar to what happened with Fitbit after getting acquired by Google would happen engineers leaving the company and starting their own company so i have big expectation and i would keep an eye on those team leaving be defender just not to myself (laughs) Uh, (laughs) create create a a linkedin linkedin scraper (laughs) Uh, and secondly secondly is agritech i have a special interest in agritech because romania is one of the countries in europe with the highest potential in agriculture and i think that we have the land Okay, so we have the natural potential. What we need to do is to build a tech layer on top of this in order to increase the productivity. And after we do that, Romania will be a true power in agriculture in Europe. 
So I would love to encourage startups in Agritech, and I've been actively searching for startups in Agritech. As an investor in a small market, even if you have a perfect thesis, in the end, it's all about being opportunistic and finding startups of the market provides those startups. So it's not only about what we want to invest into, but also what we can invest into. And Christian, that brings us back to your investment thesis that I would love to talk mm -hmm. a bit more about, because as a headline, I guess you could say it's investing in the innovation infrastructure of Romania. My question is, that makes perfect sense from a very country-focused perspective that that's where you need to go, and a lot is going to happen inside Romania on that front. To what extent will the solutions that are focused on taking Romania to the next level, will they carry over to other countries? And then how have you seen that development in your portfolio? I can give you easily several examples in our portfolio of companies that build infrastructure. Well, they start in Romania, but they have global potential from day one. And one such company is Banishel. They are doing cloud infrastructure and they make it very, very easy and fast for anyone to run, monitor, servers in multi-cloud environments in like three minutes and five clicks. So this is one example of such a company that practically replaces a whole department, DevOps department, and quite cheaply. So this is one example, okay? Yeah. Another company, what I call infrastructure for travel is Questo that Vlad mentioned earlier. Such a company could replace the incumbents in, in the travel industry. Travel industry being one of the first industries in the world to get digital with the GDS, Global Distribution Systems, for flights many, many years ago. So it's one of the industries in which there are titans, huge companies with many legacy systems, and they are ready to be disrupted nowadays. Uh, this is not an example. Another company in our portfolio is Instant Space, and they are building a system to book event spaces inside hotels, something that you cannot do today. So it's like booking.com, but not for the rooms in the hotels, for the event spaces and conference spaces in hotels. Mm -hmm. So again, these companies start in Romania, but they are quite easily uh, able to move abroad after that. But yes, we are investing in Romania. So somehow our mandate is a bit more difficult, maybe, the mandate of regional funds or global funds. But at the same time, it makes a lot of sense because we have boots on the ground here. We do not have partners in Poland or in Hungary or in Bulgaria. We have boots here. We control the deal flow, I would say, here. We are gatekeepers. I would dare to say that probably 90% of all the startups in Romania somehow get in contact with us, which is very important. Yeah, naturally, and that brings me to the next question that I was interested in, which is who are the key players that people outside of Romania need to know, of course, except from you guys. <laughs> it's a small world. We are five investment funds, probably 15 partners or something like this in all five funds. You would have to know uh, us. You know, there are several ecosystem builders, and I wouldn't like to name any of them just for others to not get upset with me, but there are great people who are doing great job for years already to build the ecosystems being organizing conferences, organizing events where startups can pitch. In some cities, I would say, and this is less visible in Bucharest because there the startup ecosystem is very developed. In the secondary cities in Romania, in Cluj, Timisoara, Oradea, Iași, and also a smaller city, Piatra Namts, they have done a great job to build accelerators, build incubators. There are a lot of great people who are contributing to this and growing the ecosystems through their work. I would add on this, in all honesty, the ecosystem in Romania is still young. It's very young. 
in fact. So it's not complete. For example, we do not have any kind of venture debt funds. We don't have technology transfer funds. There are many things still missing. The quality of accelerator program is not that high. It is difficult to run good accelerating programs with people that never built a startup before. But it takes time and we see progress everywhere we look, we see progress. What I would like to say here is that in 2018, when we are fundraising for the current fund, I said that the optimal fund size for us would be 24, 26, 28 million, maybe top. We stopped at 26, even if we had investors willing to put more money into the fund, but we stopped at 26. I knew at that moment that this is the maximum capacity of the market to absorb in terms of funds. And I wanted to build capacity. I wanted to be efficient with capital. If you have a 40 or 50 million fund as the first fund in a young ecosystem, as a fund manager, you will invest the money, right? And you'll invest the money in good companies, but also in bad companies because you have too much of it. And I didn't want to go there. I tried to invest the money as well as possible. Now, I see that the demand for venture capital money increased. So I think that now a larger fund makes sense. Three years ago, it didn't, but now it makes sense. We were talking about, you know, the players and what I'm building off your replies is that it's still growing, it's still developing, it's going from infancy into developing stage. Maybe a lot of our listeners are emerging managers or aspiring emerging managers. And a lot of them are finding ways to break into VC, to start building reputation, building a track record, building those connections. So let's put our entrepreneurial hats on <laughs> okay. and let's think, okay, in an ecosystem that's developing and there's obviously opportunities for improvement, which means opportunities for people who want to do stuff in venture. What would you guys like to see popping up that you would say, oh, I want to partner with these guys, right? What are opportunities out there for players in that ecosystem right now? It's difficult to answer. <laughs> I tell you what I would do as a founder of a startup in Romania, I would go and raise money from a fund that is not set up by lawyers or corporate people. Okay. I will try to work with somebody that has been in my shoes several years ago, that understands my pains, that can communicate with me, that believes me when I'm telling him something. So I would try to find somebody with whom I could relate. That's very important. There are not that many founders wearing the hats of VCs nowadays in Romania. Okay, And probably it's normal. I'm sure that in the next funds to come, more partners with the entrepreneurial background will be, but at this moment is not the case. But this is what I would specifically look for. I would somehow say the same, but we have a similar background up to one point and understanding the person in front of you and understanding his challenges is extremely important. And I believe for a former tech founder or founder or founder uh, to get in the shoes of an investor would have to also learn a few things about the investment world for me, for example, it was very helpful that I invested on the stock exchange for over 10 years, for example. is a totally different world than venture capital investing, but it involves building a portfolio. It involves several economic cycles, and you see what happens. You see companies growing. You are accustomed to see some things, but venture capital investing is not like this, but it's a very small part of this, and I think it's important to also have the head of a financier, but even if it's not your main competence, let's say. I would like to be mean for a moment, if possible. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> I, I would also share with you what I would avoid as a founder in Romania nowadays. And that is corporate accelerators. I don't even call them accelerators. I call them decelerators because, again, 
in my history as a founder, I was part of uh, one or two of such programs. And what I saw is that the startup is the little guy and the corporate is the big guy that doesn't have the time, the attention span. As a startup, you always have to wait for the legal department and the corporation to do anything for you. And it takes months. And instead of accelerating you, in fact, you end up moving slower. So also in terms of hopes and expectations, all these first-time entrepreneurs, they feel like it's a big accomplishment whenever they get accepted into a corporate accelerator. Just to be disappointed afterwards, you know, in just two or three weeks, they realize, oh, damn it. In my experience, it's not a problem only in Romania. All over the world is the same. These corporate accelerators, they don't deliver on the promise in the end. So I would avoid joining such a program just for the sake of my own well-being. <laughs> yeah, I love what David and I, we call it the VC Twilight Zone, thinking about how you can help founders at just doesn't fit the bill of the established system. And in the angel stage, in developed markets, we still have founders who have a difficult time racing from angels because they just don't look like anything you've really seen before or the angel community has seen before. I'm curious if that's something you see in Romania, especially that the startups have a difficult time raising the very early money because the angel community has a difficult time understanding what they're doing because many of them are former lawyers or accountants or something like that. I was involved as angel in several communities for joining Sparking. We have four angel communities in Romania with about, I would say, around 200 members. Fortunately, many of those members are uh, either tech engineers or tech entrepreneurs. So I would say this wouldn't be necessarily the case. I know personally each angel's community in Romania, and I believe there are enough technical people there to understand probably 90% of the startups. Now, related to raising money, it depends how big the round would be, because if they would try to raise just like 500K only from angels, would be very complicated, because the ticket yeah. sizes in the angels' communities are pretty small. In the average like uh, tens of thousands of euros it's sometimes pretty complicated to uh, gather enough angels towards an idea to raise the funds maybe this was the case one or two years ago but nowadays i see the exact opposite vlad and you know exactly what i'm talking about because quite recently we missed two deals because of angels for me the moment when the vc fund comes and starts negotiating the valuation and try to take it down from the incredible heights that the valuation reached today. And in the end, as a fund, you surrender. But the angels are there eager to invest hundreds of thousands of euro at any valuation. I think that when something like this happened, the market is fucked up. So <laughs> it happened to us, I think, twice in a week, quite recently. In that weekend, I was, hmm, what's going, going on? <laughs> <laughs> something is happening in the market. It's too much money. And then I realized that, there is a lot of money coming from real estate because right now we live in a bubble and the bubble is inflating. Yeah. And there is a lot of money coming out of real estate and tech is quite appealing. Okay. Also, there is a lot of money or at least two months ago, there was a lot of money coming from crypto. There are many angels with a lot of cash available right now. And I want to say something quite interesting right now because everybody is talking in the market about how many millionaires UiPath listing created in Romania. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All those early employees with a lot of options, blah, blah, blah. But I would argue that there is another company that created much more millionaires in Romania than UiPath. And that company is Elrond. 
because it's a crypto company. It's not that transparent. But with Elrond, there was no Axel, no KPCB, no Google Capital to come with many millions, but local guys. These local guys capitalize massively with Elrond. I would say that at least these two sources of wealth are leaving a mark right now in the market. Yeah. You didn't mention crypto as a field before, but I'm guessing that there must be a lot of activity in crypto as well, spawning out of those guys. Oh, yes. In Romania, there is a lot of activity in crypto, but crypto is a restricted domain for us. We are not investing in anything related to crypto. And honestly, I don't have the bandwidth to keep up to date with what's happening there. (laughs) Uh, We've heard that from many. (laughs) (laughs) And I think even more should just realize it. I'd like to shift this a bit. I think now we'll go into a topic that will interest many of our more more nerdy listeners, <laughs> a bit more. And I consider myself one of those. Vlad, I'd like to start with you because we've been actually connecting about these topics prior to this recording for a bit, which is, you know, the fact that given that the country is in the stages that it is, there's not a lot of later stage money. And so an obvious task that you guys have to live with is kind of finding or helping the startups find that later stage money and even syndicate in some cases. So Vlad, what have been your learnings in that process so far? You know, how has it been the process of building these relationships with other funds across Europe, but even outside of Europe? And Christian, I'd also like to have your take, but let's start with Vlad. One of the benefits that we offer startup is that we are uh, connecting them to later stage investors, especially starting from uh, Series A, but sometimes also at seed stage because some companies want to expand internationally and sometimes uh, just another investor from a market that the company is targeting would support them uh, greatly. There are many investors who are very open, very interested about our ecosystem. If they see a professional approach and they find something interesting in the company, they are very keen on discussing with us and even investing with us. We have in our portfolio, I think, three or four companies where we have co-investments and three of them, we have co-investors from France, from England, from Bulgaria. And there is another fund, which is Romanian It's an angel fund, the Romanian-Swedish angel fund. We've already done this. And there are also investors who have a thesis related. Maybe they have money from the IEF where they can invest only in their specific geography. Or in Germany, there are many funds who have money from the federal states in Germany. So we really cannot do anything with them. And I particularly don't encourage in early stage uh, rounds the founders to move their R&D to another country. Maybe a part of me being proud of being Romanian. I really love my country. I don't see why necessarily in an early stage somebody would move the R&D in another country. And I really appreciate VCs that, and some of them were on, on your show, that have a taste this is related to investing um, either Europe-wide or all over the world. What happened in the last year, I think, amplified this and it helped ecosystems which are not in the US or Western Europe or, uh, I don't know, Canada to develop based on the fact that some investors came and invested in Romania or other countries where they found trusted partners to invest with. You bring up the constraints of the capital (laughs) that's deployed into the funds. That's a lovely rabbit hole. Before we dive into that rabbit hole, let's let Christian to have a go at the other question. Yeah, yeah go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Let me start by saying that money is not a problem. In the market today, there is too much money and not enough projects. I would say that any good team working on a decent product would be able to raise money today. 
it's okay to work out with Romania. Okay, it's cheaper to develop here, and it's still a destination for software development. With half a million, we can build a lot in Romania. And after that, uh, there are many regional funds because of the history of these funds. In Poland, for example, many of these funds started as national funds, and now they are investing out of their second or their third fund, and they became regional without having partners outside of Poland. So again, these kind of funds are calling the local players, asking about the good startups in the country. So it's easy. Nowadays, it's easy for a good startup to get connected with pretty much anybody in Europe, with a fund in Bulgaria, with a fund in Poland, or I don't know, maybe with Balderton, with Sequoia Europe, because now Sequoia is present in Europe. So the North Zone, the big guys are one email away. Access, because this is the keyword here, access, it's much more democratically spread pretty much everywhere in, in Europe, I would say. And now the lovely rabbit hole. <laughs> Let's start it from the other side, which is in many, many um, countries in Europe, you know, we see governments stepping in. And in, in some cases, we see governments playing a decisive role in the development of the ecosystem. I have to say that Portugal, Lisbon, for example, we saw that happening. There's obviously challenges associated to that. There's also a lot of credit due there. I'm wondering, you know, for international listeners, what is the role that the government is playing? What are they doing? What are they doing right? What should they improve? What should they change? Let's not forget that the government played a huge role in Silicon Valley in the beginning. No. Okay, so again, all the subsidies from the military, all the subsidies towards the universities in the Bay Area, the government is always playing a role. Again, in the US, there are so many bad history about the government involvement. In Kansas, for example, there was one program which ended in disaster. Uh, in Texas, there was another example ending in disaster. There is a book on this subject. It's called The Boulevard of Broken Dreams, about the way that government gets involved into creating tech ecosystem and why they fail. <laughs> it's a very large subject to discuss. What I would say <laughs> is that Europe, nowadays, it's recent, is playing on a level field with the U.S., because now, in my opinion, the European community is truly working. And now we have the European Investment Fund, which is the largest fund of funds in the world. And there's the investment arm of the European Investment Bank. Many governments are working together with the EIF in launching this initiative to sponsor and to support the tech ecosystem. And the EIF, they know their business. For example, in Romania, they launched three years ago a call. Our fund was born out of this call. They came up with a very smart mechanism to attract private money into venture capital. Otherwise, it would have been practically impossible to convince corporations, local corporations, banks. I had meetings with banks, and they have never heard about venture capital as an asset class. They were like, what? <laughs> venture capital? What, what was that? Well, you know, you invest at the early stage. Early stage? So those companies are not bankable. No where's way. The, where's the collateral? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So <laughs> the government has the power and has the money to make things happen. Now, yeah. of course, depends on how they do it. But luckily, at least in Romania, the government worked with the EIF and the results are good. Three out of five funds, and these are the three biggest funds, are sponsored with IF money. Without the support of the IF, it would have been very complicated for all, all fund managers to raise funds. And we have to give, I think, big credit to the IF for this, especially in Romania. They have done a good job. Of course, there are some political things mixed with the economic agenda. And the one that, uh, for example, makes absolutely no sense from a VC standpoint is the fact that we have to distribute the capital pretty much uniformly across the country. So we have to invest in all the regions in the country as if 
everywhere there are good startups doing business. I don't know with whom, because in Vaslui, which is the poorest part in Moldova, in Romania, there are no local banks that if you launch a fintech out of Vaslui, you have nobody to talk to. It, it makes no sense. Looking at the American example with Silicon Valley, if Silicon Valley would have been geographically distributed across the United <laughs> States, there would have been no Silicon Valley. So proximity, concentration is good. In Europe, is bad. The government yeah. sees this yeah. as something bad, but it's not like that. If you are a startup founder, you would move anywhere for your startup. I packed and I moved to Seattle across the globe, practically exactly on the opposite side, because I believed in my startup. If you are a founder at heart, you would do that. I have to move to Mars. Okay, pack. <laughs> <laughs> What's good out of this is that founders now, exactly like Christian said, can get their funding in the first rounds up to Series A, actually, in Romania. They don't have to move anywhere. They can keep their company there. They can create their product and develop in Romania. And somehow this is exceptional for us because we had a long period of brain drain. The success story of UIPF and Daniel Dinesh, I really want to congratulate him for this. And because in Seattle, some people told me that work there that Romanians were the second community in Microsoft after Indians. So this means that a lot of people that were excellent and were doing great stuff couldn't develop a product at that time in Romania. And now is the time to do this. It's a really the best time to fund a startup in Romania in the last two to three years because you have most of the ingredients that make a successful startup. I really don't think we could end on a better note with regards to uh, our deep dive on the Romanian ecosystem. So let's end with a quick fire as we most often do. The first question being, what advice do you hear given to founders that you most disagree with? And let's start with you, Christian. I think that I have a long list, but uh, <laughs> the one that I don't agree at all is follow your passion. Who cares about your passion? Okay, start thinking about clients, not about yourself, motherfucker. And if you follow, really, and if you follow your passion, Okay, what happens 98% of the time is that your passion is photography or fashion design or, you know, this kind of passion that are very nice to do on your parents' money. But if you tell me that your passion is physics and you want to become a nuclear scientist or whatever or a physician or something that takes years of study and effort and a lot of work, I would say, okay, follow your, your passion. It makes sense. But if you are a photographer, there are already too many photographers in the world. So don't follow your passion. Stop following your passion. Keep your passion for the vacation. I'll play this for my kids. <laughs> what's, uh, what's yours? Vlad, go on. Uh, let, let us hear what you hate. I think people read too much um, articles written in the USA. That's the way they come up with curious term sheets and curious valuations. And they don't understand that if they just launch a startup, they have no customers. Somehow, first they have to launch, I mean, they can go internationally or globally, but sometimes they make a proof of concept in Romania. And Romania is a much smaller market. You don't launch in the USA. You don't have the cost from the USA or in England. You cannot expect to have a valuation from this developed ecosystem because you're not there. <laughs> <laughs> We should have more Romanian VCs on for these quick fires. <laughs> Next question. What do you believe the people around you most disagree with? And let's start with you again, Christian. Oh, we are going to love this one because, yeah, I have a strong opinion on this one. 
I don't believe that there should be a balance between work and life. <laughs> work is life. Life is work. And you should work as much as possible, okay? Otherwise, you cannot compete with somebody that doesn't take vacations. In my mind, again, this uh, life-work balance is something for the spoiled brats that actually they don't want to work. I uh, try to encourage people to work as much as possible because if you want to be the best, this is the only way to do it. Otherwise, if you want to live at five, take a job in one of these corporations that discourage people from working and live at five, but don't come for funding. If you are a startup founder, I want to see obsession. I want to see that you are neglecting your wife, your kids. I want to see that you ruin your health. I want to see that you only dream and think about the startup, that you call me in the middle of the night to ask me something because you think it's very important and I answer to you and then I curse you and then I go back to sleep. So this is what I want to see with the founder. And whenever I hear about the balance between life and work, I immediately hang up. <laughs> Thank you for that, Christian. This one I'll play for my wife. <laughs> Let's take it to Lat now again. What do you believe that most people around you disagree with? Well, I think most people in some uh, established startup ecosystems don't know that within uh, 10 years or 15 years, many of the European, uh, Central and Eastern European hubs will surpass them. Look out for Bucharest, for Warsaw, for uh, Prague for Tallinn, many more uh, that are supercharged, that develop slowly, slowly, and have all the potential needed to become established startup hubs. I think this is very important. Just one more phrase on this one, because I think this is truly important. In all these prognosis about what's going to happen until 2050, the first country, the country moving the fastest is India, then is China, and then on the third place is US. Europe is towards the end of this ranking. Europe is still growing. Where do you think that this growth is coming from? Austria? Switzerland? No, it's coming from Poland, Romania, Hungary, Bulgaria. These are the countries that need to play catch-up. These are the countries moving fast. So if I were an LP, I would try to deploy capital in funds in this part of the world, in the new Europe, not in Switzerland. But I'm not an LP yet. Yet. <laughs> yet. It sounds like you will be soon. Vlad, <laughs> out of respect that Christian stole the end of your answer, I'll start with you and ask you what's next for you and Sparking Capital. We want to grow a few dragons out of our uh, portfolio. We're working every day towards this. So uh, it's the most important thing for us to support our founders and to make the companies that we invested in strong and grow as fast as possible. Christian, aside from becoming an LP, what's next for you? <laughs> <laughs> it's raising the next fund. I'm already thinking about it and putting my thoughts on a paper because I think that Romania is moving now into another stage of development and the ice is already broken with three or uh, three and a half years of investment already. And again, increasing the demand for venture capital money is here. The number of good startups is increasing year by year. So I think that now is the right moment to, to increase the fund size, to address Series A, maybe Series B, to be able to follow up in other countries, in Romanian startups that already expanded and moved maybe abroad. So I think that this industry is going to explode in Romania, is going to explode. And there is so much value that will be created here. And I would like to capture the most of it. Guys, thank you so much for your time. It was really nice. I learned a lot about the ecosystem. To our listeners, if you want to do stuff in Romania, you have two people to reach out to. We're happy to connect you if you want. You can find them both on LinkedIn or you can reach out to us and we'll do the intro.
Thank you, guys. Super cool. Thank you so much for having us. Ciao. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Anytime. Take care. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The European VC, your podcast for insights into the European VC industry. If you love our show, do drop us a review, share it with your friends, and join our Slack community at theeuropeanvc.com forward slash community. And don't forget, if you would like to suggest topics or guests for future episodes, join our community and help make the best pod for everything European VC. And if you are about to raise a fund or an international round, do let us know and we'll be happy to introduce you to relevant investors.